0: Welcome to a bonus episode of The Science Behind Your Salad. Usually, our great host Jane Craigie is guiding you through our episodes. But like last year, I'm happy to announce a special bonus episode for the holiday season. My name is Jan and I'm working in communications for BASF Agricultural Solutions. Today's episode is about grapes, both in liquid and in solid state. We'll start with an upcoming and growing beverage category non-alcoholic wines. Christian Nett is the managing director of the family-owned winery Bergdoll, Treiff & Nett. He is based in the Palatinate area of southwest Germany and has been refining and working on high-quality, non-alcoholic wine for years. With good results. He says the latest vintages don't have to shy away from comparison with traditional alcoholic wines. And I'm wondering, how did it start within your vineyard? Like Was there a day you decided, today I'm going to do a non-alcoholic wine? So how did it
1: happen? Yeah, that's, um, the idea is a little bit older. So um, it's from 2018, in the vintage 2018. Um, it was a very good vintage, uh, very good quality, but also good quantity. And uh, the first demand from our customers uh, coming in, and they ask about the alcoholized wines or alcohol-reduced wines, and uh, I started to think about uh, that op- that possibility to enter this uh, part of the wine market, but it was very difficult uh, five years ago because there are only the, the big producers that produce the alkylized wines at the moment for the uh, supermarket categories, and um, they want to start with a, a big quantity and no possibility to taste uh, test it before. They were more focused on these on these higher quantities and not on the small. Family-owned uh, wineries like we are, then we keep it a little bit on hold and uh, tasted a lot of the alcoholized samples. Uh, what we can get from I don't know 4 450 euros to 15 16 euros. We always look for for this perfect product. Where I say where we can say, oh, it, uh, that tasted good. That's a thing uh, that uh, I see in my portfolio that I want to have in this kind of quality with my uh, logo and with my brand on the label. Yeah, we never find it really. So we, we do a lot of tastings in these days, 2018 to 2022, the end of 2021. I always invited everyone who's in the estate. So from my internships, my colleagues, my grandfather, my wife, of course, they also, they all have to taste. And the hardest critic from everyone was uh, always my father. He's also um, a winzermeister, and uh, he tasted the de and he always said, can nicht drink that's a dialect for, you could not drink this. He smells the, the arums of these de wines, He take a sip, and they know, can nicht no, And uh, that's uh, pretty much uh, the same for 2018, 2019. 2021, 20, and then I met a guy. His name is Frederic Chauvin. He's doing a lot of the alcoholized wines. He said, ah, Christian, you have to do this. I bring you a few, a few samples. I have tasted a lot, but yeah, bring me more. We taste more. We find a partner that offers us last winter to do a laboratory sample. So you can send in 10 liters of your wines, and you get small bottles back. You will know then how the taste would be when you're doing it in the in the big machine and that was um, the first really customer related offer where you can say okay they don't want to do the the big samples and just uh, throw it through the machine and put it on the market they are also interested in making good qualities keeping the quality <clears throat> and then we sent in uh, six or seven different different wines to get a an idea how it works, and just to get an idea how the wine before and after uh, the dealkalization will be, and um, that was a great uh, a great experience to to have this. Uh, the samples arrive some day during the week. I don't know Wednesday or something. And uh, on Friday after work, we put on the table in the in the tasting room, uh, no even more in the cellar, <laughs> um, but. Um, I also invite everyone again, and uh, we standing around this table, and uh, give the wine to the glass, and uh, with the first nose that you have, and with the first sip, you say, "Oh, that's good." And even my father said, "Yeah, it's okay," <laughs> uh, but from you uh, could not drink this. To it's okay. It was uh, two or three steps in one, so um, we are we were pretty satisfied with the with the result, and um, then we start making the dealgolized wines, but. We started with three wines out of the seven samples. So there were also two um, that we wouldn't do because yeah, we tasted it and tested it and to say, no, uh, that's not the right way. Even red wines are quite hard uh, with all these uh, tannins and everything. And uh, there we have to find a, a new um, solution. But we have four very good white wines. And um, then we started with three and in uh, in the end of July, we bring in the, the force because uh, demand and the, and the request for the wines were so high um, that we uh, were satisfied to taking the next step just uh, two or three months after, after entering the market. And so the, the heavy users uh, in cases of wine or the wine nerds, um, they are hard um, to convince that the alcoholized wines can be also very good. They tasted it. They give their opinion. they say, yeah, for de-alcoholized, it's really good, but it's not my kind of wine. It was also interesting after <coughs> we started with the de wines, I think eight weeks later, there was a, a radio spot in the in the news, in the radio and also um, in the newspaper that uh, young people between 18 and uh, 35 or so, they don't drink, alco- uh, 30% of the people 18 between 35, they don't drink alcohol at all. I hear this, uh, it was in the morning, I brush my teeth and I hear this. And I say, I think for me, the same news, 10 years before would tell the complete difference. Oh, the young people drinking so much alcohol, they have to be careful, everything. And uh, 10 years later, it changed really complete the direction. And there's coming a new a new generation of customers that don't drink so much alcohol at all. Maybe for, for holidays or for a good meal, they're drinking one glass of wine, on a uh, on a special day and uh, they also like other things to compare with uh, with food with good food Um, they're spending a lot of money for good meat for good vegetables for everything and then they don't want to drink water at all they don't want to drink yeah i don't know apple juice or something they want to have really good stuff but also the de-alcoholized beers are uh, rising and they are well established right now and i have a lot of friends of mine that drinking 80%, 90% de-alcoholized beer and maybe one or two beer with alcohol on a Saturday or uh, on a Sunday evening. But uh, when you go out for lunch or for business lunch or something, no one is drinking alcohol uh, for lunch. I don't know. Even in Germany. uh, Maybe there's uh, a different view when you're coming from Italy or uh, France or something. In Germany, when you go to Frankfurt or Hamburg, even when you go out with wine dealers, they don't drink so much wine uh, when they have to work again after. And then, um, yeah, we'll see what what will happen. But uh, also, so as, as I said, the wine dealers are not the main the main focus. There's a lot of other people for for the alcoholized wines. I make so
0: problem. it helps you to appeal to to new audiences or new customer groups you could not approach with the regular wine so far.
1: Yeah, and it's it's quite hard for for winery. Um, that always um, focused on the on the wine part and they I don't really know how to get the the uh, other part of the population. They don't go to wine fairs, they go to, don't go to wine shops or making wine tours and visit the estates. Uh, at the moment, we try to explore how we can find uh, the right spot to get in contact with these clients. Yeah, that's uh, the challenge at the moment. And now when we do promotion things, wine tastings, when our wines are For example, uh, the Berlin Fashion Week uh, this year, um, we were the official wine partner and they demand for a red wine, a white wine, um, a sparkling wine. And I come and say, you also have to have an alcoholized wine. Oh no, are you sure? I don't know. I sent you a sample and then we will see. And you sent the sample. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. You can take this also with the... Official uh, wine of the Berlin Fashion Week and the Mercedes-Benz logo next to it and everything, but it's not on the people's mind. You have to give them the the idea and the possibility to tasting it, and then you will find in these events you will find a lot of these customers that are not really related with wines, and uh, then you can hopefully uh, increase or, or grow the, the um, community of the wine fans.
0: Talking about challenges, maybe in very short terms, because I think many listeners are not so familiar with winemaking from a technical point of view, are there also any, let's say, technical challenges in making de alcoholized wine um, compared to normal wine?
1: You have to have a really good alcoholic wine to making a good de alcoholized wine. When you're taking the tough stuff from the bottom range uh, and try to make this de alcoholized because it's left over in the cellar, and yeah, mix it and bring it out. Uh, that would be horrible at the end, and you don't have uh, the quality that can grow your community. Um, the people don't don't like it. It's really hard stuff. So we make um, the algalized wines from our mid to premium section wines. Even if I said our basic line is still very good, but um, we try to to start and to enter the market with really good products the result is uh, that you have you have a really good alcoholic wine to get uh, pretty good and pretty good um, de-alcoholized wine and in the winemaking then it's um, yeah that you have to work very careful with everything taking good grapes from your good fields the the grapes and the the wines should not be stressed they should not suffer because uh, you have very dry and very hot summers uh, these days even in Germany and uh, you see plants that are they have a really hard time during the hot period to getting the water out of the, of the bottom <coughs> to keeping the the grapes fresh healthy and, uh, and powerful and um, then when you have problems like this or vintages like this maybe you should not make the alcoholized wine out of it but when you have perfect ripe grapes very good arum in the wine uh, and uh, not only the fermentation arum in the nose also a good yeah a very solid arum uh, in the in the wine and then um, you can make out of this a really good de-alcoholized wine. And maybe I tell you some uh, uh, some company secrets, but um, <coughs> we do de-alcoholized wines um, from wines that uh, are one year in the barrels. So we don't go out in the cellar right now and say, oh, yeah, we harvest it in September. It's fermented in October. It uh, smells very good. It tastes very good. We make it de-alcoholized out of it. No, we are... Pretty happy to have this. And we think about this could be the de-alcoholized wine for the next vintage. But uh, we keep um, this wine for 9, 10, 12, 13 months in the cellar. And when we are still satisfied after 12 months, and we have this solid arms uh, not only in the nose, but also in the in the aftertaste and everywhere. And uh, then we are going with this uh, to the de test and hope that it will be yeah there after the dealcalization, and uh, when it, that's good, then we give the um, the big quantity um, to the company and uh, this doing the dealcalization. So but basically,
0: the technique is not so different from regular alcoholic wine, but there is let's say um, a very high level for the quality of grapes, yeah, and also a longer time where the grapes are laying around in the in the cellar right
1: uh yeah not the grapes but the wine um, lying in the cellar and um, uh, that's my kind of idea how it should be maybe another winemaker have other ideas for the first step with the wines that we made i'm pretty satisfied and i just want to keep this kind of wine making for the regular wines and then also for the diagonalized wines and it's a, have to be a little bit forward thinking and you have to know what we will need maybe uh, in the next year what we will be need from this vintage in 12 in 15 months to make it de it's like a snowball when you have uh, good products um, that will will help to make uh, another good products and the people have good experience with this kind of products and then they ask for these good products and good products always keep rolling and, uh, and then we have to start and maybe in 10 years when we're doing this podcast again in 10 years um the alcoholized wines will be well established and uh, I don't know one third of the market or even 20% of the whole wine market you see with the wines with alcohol when you go to a wine shop you have I don't know 400 different wines that you can taste and uh, buy and uh, then you come to the de-alcoholized section and you maybe have I don't know five in a wine shop so it's one uh, percent the of the possibilities that you have for de-alcoholized wines compared to the normal kind of wines and this is also a thing that um, have to grow and then the people, yeah, they offer it to their families, they offer it to, um, to their friends and say, yeah, I tasted three or four the Algalized wines, this was the best in my opinion and they're going out and uh, making advertisement for this kind of product and uh, yeah, I hope it will be this way. Of course, we have uh, um, a very good uh, recommendation for the holiday season for the festival season and for the family tasting it, family dinners, um, we have uh, Pinot Blanc called Breakaway. It's uh, the one step higher um, de wine that we brought in in July. Um, it's uh, from a barrel fermented Pinot Blanc, uh, which is uh, stored in uh, wooden barrels um, for two years and uh, then going to the de-alcoolization. My father, the guy who said uh, you could not drink de-algolized wine, said this is his personal favorite and uh, this is a wine, the de wine, who tasted like wine. And this could be on the table like any other wine. It's not a, a compromise. It's uh, just a good selection and it's a Pinot Blanc breakaway. Yeah. Don't say anything. Just put it on the table and wait for the reaction of your family and your friends. Then you can uh, tell the secret that uh, it was de-algolized maybe. Yeah. That would be the recommendation for the for the holiday season. So Any I'm
0: hours? I'm seeing a regular looking
1: bottle right now. It Looks like a regular bottle of wine. Yeah, it's a classic Schlegel bottle, the classic white German bottle with a screw cap, and it looks pretty similar to a to a normal wine. And it looks. Um, some someone uh, said to me, it looks very serious. So it's not the white bottle with a green screw cap and free free non zero zero something on it it looks like a wine bottle and that was also very important for me so I'll open it up I'll give it in and then I will say cheers
0: Let's now switch from grapes in liquid state to the solid version. Miguel Atienza is a Philippine native and works in BASF Agricultural Solutions as a digital marketing manager. I spoke with him about the role of grapes in the local cuisine. There are many Philippine dishes cooked with grapes and other fruits, especially around the year-end holidays. Yeah, so, so Miguel, You are currently living on on Philippines and you are from Philippines. And I was just wondering like, are there any food traditions around holiday season that we should be aware of, like for for people not coming from the Philippines?
2: So definitely um, we have a lot of food traditions in the Philippines during the holidays. So we're largely a Catholic country. So Christmas is always the big event um, so it's the culmination of of the year and then it's when um, families get together. It's like the Thanksgiving of uh, our families, for our families here in the Philippines. I think Christmas is celebrated the longest here in the Philippines as well. So when September arrives, people start setting up Christmas decorations, so everyone's excited. And then of course, we also have what we call a 13th month pay. So that's the it's like uh, considered a bonus your thirteenth month bonus. Um, so most of the time, families or uh, uh, individuals would use this bonus to to purchase um, food for Christmas gifts uh, for the holidays. So they try to to make it a really huge event every year. So when it comes to food, um, we do have a lot. For example, the nine days before Christmas, we have um, what we call simbangabi. Tradition or the, um, the mass uh, that's held uh, during dawn. So early morning, people would go to church to attend the mass in anticipation for Christmas. And then after the mass, they'll free, uh, go to the stalls outside the church to, to have bibingka. So this is a rice cake with um, butter, a bit of sugar, a bit of um, coconut, or enjoy uh, pong. So the, so bibingka is cooked in like a terracotta oven, and then uh, puto bongbong is cooked in a... It's, it's also a rice flour, I think, and then it's cooked in a bamboo, steamed bamboo. So so we have this um, really iconic food that's mostly present during Christmas. So during the, the Noche Buena, or Christmas Eve, we also have, um, of course... We cannot do without um, our pasta, uh, spaghetti. Uh, so this staple for for any event. Um, and then of course we have queso de bola, ball of cheese, and then fruit salad. <laughs> so for for dessert, any any uh, we have lechon, uh, or, or roasted pig. And then families would usually have this like tradition where like a certain member would. Have this special um, recipe or or best recipe that everyone would anticipate. It's it's looked forward to by by many. So it depends per family what what the uh, the recipe would be, but yeah, usually the the best cook would have this spread for for the whole yeah. family.
0: Yeah, already for me, I would uh, wish to have Christmas right now because this tastes <laughs> so yummy and tasty. What what you just <laughs> mentioned, so really a, a great choice of food. And in, in the episode, we focus a little bit on, on grapes and, and the role mm-hmm. of grapes in, in certain drinks and food. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any special dishes? You just mentioned fruit salad, where, mm-hmm. where grapes play a role in the Philippines.
2: Definitely. Um, grapes in the Philippines, it's not endemic, right? So most of the grapes that we have are important. It's just recently where we had growers, uh, more growers, um, go into uh, growing grapes here in the Philippines. But surprisingly, the Spanish has influenced us in having grapes in some of our cuisines. I think most notably, would have uh, we'll have menudo, so pork menudo. It would usually have some raisins in it to, to add a bit of sweetness. And then we'll have our embutido, which is a meatloaf uh, of some sort. Which would also have some reasons, and then of course we'll have uh, a special fruit salad, <laughs> the, our fruit salad. So every fiesta, e- so every city would have uh, a fiesta uh, where we celebrate our patron saint. So it's a huge celebration. So when you enter every every house, you're you're welcome to to join in and celebrate, eat, and Usually, they'll have this fruit salad uh, available. So they'll have grapes, uh, fruit cocktails, and then one more would be our macaroni salad, which would also have, um, so macaroni would have um, mayo, grapes, chicken shreds, a bit of carrots, pickles. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that would usually have some raisins as well. Yeah. And then, of course, from time to time, we have, Wines to 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 add in our celebration. So
0: I've never heard of this macaroni combination, but it sounds like a great <laughs> idea, like yeah. like a noodle noodle salad uh, type, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we usually have um, a huge Tupperware stored in the refrigerator, so that when you don't know what to eat, don't feel like cooking, you'll just. Grab uh, a plate. The backup macaroni salad. Uh, this backup. So the go-to backup.
0: Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like that. Uh, and you just mentioned the Spanish influence on on your mm-hmm. cuisine and also what's what's being grown um on mm-hmm. in the Philippines. And I've read that there is this tradition of the twelve grapes, especially on mm-hmm. New Year's Eve and mm-hmm. um, where which each bell strike you eat one grape for each month of the new year yeah? like 12 grapes for 12 bell strikes when there is like it's 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 12 um a, a night and the new year is starting this is also a thing in the philippines right with eating um those 12 grapes or other
2: fruit is this like a tradition also i think i think it varies because probably in some families it is so as I was saying, uh, we have a bit of Spanish influence, but we also have a bit of Chinese influence. So when it comes to, to these traditions, of course, um, grapes would somehow be a challenge for some families because compared to local fruits available in the, in the market, um, it tends to be more expensive at times. So eating 12 grapes might not be the tradition, for for some, but definitely the tradition would be to have 12 different fruits in in, in, uh, our tables. So that would include grapes. Um, We have oranges, apples, and such. I do remember eating 12 grapes one time (laughs) during the holidays because uh, of this tradition. But yeah, it's more of having 12 different fruits to represent each month of the new year. And then, of course, 12 fruits that are circle, so circle, uh, round, which symbolizes, um, luck or, or money because of coins. So, so it does invite good luck as well for, for the new year. Ah, so, okay.
0: Yeah. So if you want to have a banana, you need to slice it first to have those <laughs> coin style little pieces.
2: Well, I don't know if they, they, they add a banana in the spread, but usually we have apples, oranges, grapes, watermelon, melons. Yeah.
0: But so have you already thought about the selection for your New Year's Eve this year?
2: Usually in the in the market they'll have like this different fruits um set up and sold. Uh, like a package so you can already. Just, already. Uh, it's packaged already. So you can just uh, um yeah, buy. But definitely it's if some some families buy twelve of each as well. To bring in more luck, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so now that Grapes more accessible to to us um, in the markets. Of course, it's something that we buy in for for my two year old every time we visit the grocery, and she really does enjoy it. So I'm looking forward like having this um, uh, tradition during Christmas for her.
0: Any wishes or greetings for our listeners for the holiday season and and the new year?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I wish everyone a very happy Christmas and New Year. Happy holidays to everyone. Hope everyone stays safe during the holidays. COVID-free holiday. And of course, a special time to be with family and their loved ones. So yeah, Merry Christmas everyone and Happy New Year.
0: A big thank you to Christian and Miguel for joining our episode. Thanks also to all of you for listening. Just as a little spoiler... You will hear more about the topic of grapes in this podcast very soon. Stay tuned. Our podcast team and BASF Agricultural Solutions wish all of you a restful holiday time for you and your loved ones. Take care and talk to you soon.